quickest example that I can give is Hedaru has at least seven major forms. And so there's a Hedaru, Hedaru Nep Yanut, which is a Hedaru Lady of Dendera, right? This is the jovial um, associated with beauty and, and love and music and uh, sexuality and fertility, right? Um, joy, like, you know, this is that Hedaru. Then there's Hedaru Nepheninsu. Hmm. Hedaru Lady of Heninsu is uh, like Sekhmet. She's, she's angry. She's violent. She's, um, right, you know, she's, uh, you know, a force that you don't play with. New math is with my motherfuckers ass. You want to know how to rhyme? You better learn how to add. It's mathematics. Mighty most definitely. It's simple mathematics. Check it out. I'll revolve around science. What are we talking about here? Peace, peace, peace. Welcome to another episode of Wise the Dome. Uh, today I have a very special guest. Uh, you may have seen him on uh, Killer Priest podcast. He also does tours to, to Kimmy and um, he's very knowledgeable brother. Um, my brother, Ankh Benu, thank you for coming through, man. Peace, life, prosperity, and health. Yo, it's an honor to be here, brother. You know what I mean? Down, my man's, my man. So, um, yeah, let's start. I like to start from the beginning. You know, I think a lot of people can find inspiration in how, uh, you know, people's paths started and when it comes to, you know, self-discovery and self-realization, especially those who are who are just beginning that process now. Um, how did you get how did you get started? What kind of sparked you in wanting to know more about self, your people, and and things of that nature? Yo, okay. So man, so you know, a little background, you know, I'm uh I'm the son of a retired AME. African Methodist Episcopal Church pastor, right? My Powerful. Um, and you know, my father, he's he's a postman, right? Retired mm -hmm. postman, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I guess bringing bringing a message forward is is something in my DNA, right? Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, hearing certain stories about um, you know my parents' parents, and you know, like. Um, both of my grandfathers, you know, they transitioned before I was born, mm -hmm. right? But, um, you know, one thing about my mother's uh, father in particular that I learned later on that, I, you know, it resonated with me, like, um, you know, my uh, coming forth, you know, could be like, an extension of his uh his will or desire you know and what it was is you know he never um really knew who his father was mm -hmm. or that, that side of the family mm -hmm. and you know when he was dying he asked his mother to um tell his children right who their people are Mm. something that she withheld from him mm -hmm. um and she refused to do it wow. as he was as he was laying there dying mm. right mm -hmm. um that was something that really 
you know, uh, when I heard it, it really resonated with me. Yeah. You know, like, like I could, you know, I feel like I'm here um, for that in a great deal of my purpose is to, is to do that for our people. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, just starting there, like, I feel like it's something in me and I think it has, has something is ancestral. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, when I went off to to college, right, I came, you know, into contact with uh, a brother from the Nation of Gods and Earths, mm-hmm. um, you know, and one day, you know, we both ran track, right? Mm-hmm. And um, one day I come into the, the dormitory and I see a mob surrounding the brother, like going in, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and and they're like uh I'm like yo yo oh what's going on and what did the guy say yo this n-word think he god wow. oh this n-word say it, he god it upset him <laughs> yeah like he was he was going <laughs> off and and I'm like what right and he said you know, he said, yo, if you God make it rain, and, and the brother responds, I'll make it rain as soon as you tell your God to do so, and he does it. Right. And I'm like, right, I didn't know what to say. I, you know, I never heard anything, you know, like that before. Never heard anyone speak like that before. Mm. Um, so, you know, I've been, I begin to have uh, conversations with him on that level. And uh, the funny thing was, we were we were going to a Christian college, um, Southwestern Christian College. Oh wow! So the God was so the God was building on the black man as God in a Christian college. Yeah, like (laughs) I mean, like we were we were literally like we had actual Bible classes that we had to attend, like mandatory. Like we're there for track and field. Everybody else is there to be like (laughs) preachers and. You know what I'm saying? So, they were really mad. Okay. I got yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was hot. It was hot. So, yo, one thing led to the, to the other, right? You know, we begin to have these conversations and I'm, you know, I'm kind of naturally competitive. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we begin to have these debates and he'd say something and he'd be using the, the Bible and whatnot. And I'm like, you know, um, I, it would force me to really go in and go and do research. And then I started coming across like lost books of the Bible, book of Enoch, and mm-hmm. Apocrypha, and you know, all of these things, Gnostic Christianity and mm-hmm. all these things. Right. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, what is all this? And as I'm reading, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause I, I went to, um, find things to come back at, at my brother and uh you know in the process i was coming across things that was opening me up yeah and you know what i mean and, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of where it began um you know you know I, I begin to think the first two books that i bought that were like um books for that purpose for me like you know um you know, starting that journey. And it's funny, right? Mm-hmm. First book was uh the, like the it was the book of Enoch. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I had two versions of it, one by uh, Indus Kamit Kush. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's Enoch the Ethiopian or something yep. like that. Mm-hmm. Then the other one um, was by, you know, this, this lady, uh, Elizabeth Clare, prophet, the origins is evil, right? But then the other book, so it was three books that I bought, mm-hmm. was The Philosophies and Opinions of Marcus Mosai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And man, you know, <laughs> I would say so much of, um, you know, my journey is kind of reflected in in that, right? Um, you know, searching for um, our, you know, original um, spirituality, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But then also um, this pan-Africanism and black nationalism, right? Mm-hmm. Um you know, this is this is uh, so much a part of my foundation from the beginning, right? You know, and everything that um, I kind of got into, you know, whether it's um, you know, one twenty initially, and then I actually ended up going into the mosque mm-hmm. and getting my ex, mm-hmm. and um, you know, was in the minister's class, you know, um, you know, and then had begun to uh, teach over the rostrum. Um, you know, I you know been in a uh, comedic culture institute. You know, my infandishi, he um just transitioned like a month ago. You know, and you know he's on his verge. You know, on the verge to, you know, he would have been eighty nine, mm. I think, um, in February. You know, but um, he you know he he and you know his wife uh, they were over the ancient comedic culture institute in uh, louisville kentucky mm-hmm. and um you know he was uh elevated as an infundishi and um because he's a martial you know he's a martial artist as well right and, you know from it's like the first black uh first you know african to bring the art to kentucky mm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and you know so he's uh you know, he's, um, you know, elevated for that. And um, then also, um, so the Comedic Culture Institute, he was elevated by, uh, you know, the late, great Dr. Jacob Carruthers. Wow. So mm-hmm. like, this is like, you know, how he really got into, uh, you know, came in and opening a chapter of the Comedic Culture Institute. And um, I was, you know, I went in there kind of like the same time. I'm doing the Nation of Islam you know, on one day and I'm in the Comedic Culture <laughs> Institute on the other, you know, on the other day. And um, I ended up going into the minister's class over here and then being elevated as a Sabah over mm. here, right, well, as a teacher over here. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you. H- having been able to uh, study, you know, multiple schools of thought, um, where you are now in your understanding, do you see like the similarities in any of these schools of thought, like as far as like, you know, something that, you know, you might've learned in the NOI or building with the gods and something that you uh, learned through studying Kemet. Like, do you ever see any similarities in what these different schools of thought, uh, you know, uh, convey to the people? All the time, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and and don't really even have to look hard for it, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, certain things, right? Let's say, for instance, um, 
you know, there's a lesson that asks the question, you know, have you not learned that your word shall be your bond regardless? To whom or what? Or what? Right, mm-hmm. you know, and answers. Yes, my word is my, my bond, bond. Bond is life, and I, I get, get my, my life before my word fails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know, in Kemet, that's that's makaru. Mm, right, when you talk, you know, like the the uh, or true voice, makaru, true mm. voice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to be declared makaru um, was like the highest level of spiritual attainment. Mm. Um, in the comedic system, and you know, it's essentially it's um, as an initiate, you had forty-two oaths. Right. Mm, right. Is that, that the, you, is that what you would consider like the forty-two confessions of my app? Right. What they refer to they as refer to, the, okay. the confessions of my but say, right. But it's, you say oaths. Yeah. Yeah. Forty-two mm. oaths. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. These are taboos, 42 taboos that you give your word that you're not going to commit, right? To mm-hmm. maintain your ritual purity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the nation, it's called the restrictive laws, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, this, you know, in doing this, you know, you're, you maintain ritual purity, which will allow you uh, over time and cultivating the discipline and abstaining from committing these things, it grants you access into the inner sanctuary, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, there's, there's levels of symbolism there, but um, ultimately in keeping your word, you prove that you, you know, what you say is what you do. Mm. And then there's a there's a degree of access that you're granted, an ability that you're granted in the tradition, um, as a result of doing that, right? It's so it's, you're, you're like you're like to a god, right? Wow, wow. You, you know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. know the you know the creator in many traditions and Kemet is you know it's not exempt from it. You know you know it creates um, through speech, right? Doesn't that and doesn't that say that in Genesis as well? Like in the beginning, yeah. and God said, God, or go or in, what, what? What is it in the beginning? The word was God, and something. Yeah, I think that's John. That's John one. John, John right, one, yeah, right. right. Yeah, Same yeah. thing, right? Same yeah. thing, though. You know, Genesis. Um, and you know, the being God created heavens and earth, and the earth was mm-hmm. formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the spirit of God moved over the face of the waters. And God said, "Let right. there be white. Let there be light." Right. 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 You know what I'm saying? John 1, uh, in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. And right. Dwelled amongst men, and the light shined in the darkness, you know what I'm saying? Right? Right. Um, that, whole, that whole thing is it's, it's speaking of, um, you know, the word as, you know, the, the word and the power of the word to uh, make things happen, mm-hmm. right? the defining power of the word you know you know cosmologically speaking um the you know the logos the mind or intelligence and and uh you know if you want to say sound or whatever the, the you know the role that it played in the formation of matter and making mm. things making things happen like it's the same principle just on different levels yeah. um this this is what is speaking about, right? But let's say in in 
in certain traditions, right, you're taught that you shouldn't speak beyond. This, this is something that Elijah Muhammad says. You you shouldn't speak beyond your capacity to produce. Right. Right. You know, we're taught that when you speak empty, you say something and you don't follow through, you lose you lose second. Right. You lose uh, ashe. Mm. You, you your word loses power. Right. Mm. And you know, in losing power, you lose the capacity to to produce and make things right. Make things it, yeah, indeed, and that's interesting because you know, as some other gods say, you know, God is power and force, and to be in your word, losing power, and inevitably will make you lose power because nobody because nobody will see you as that. Um, as that as that brother whose word is bond, as that brother who comes through in the clutch, as that person who holds himself to that standard of, you know, that that equilibrium between his ways and actions and what he says. Yo yo. No, yeah, like I was saying. Before the technical difficulties, I was just saying, I mean, I could see that because, you know, you do lose power whenever you're constantly not uh, keeping your word. You know, you have no, you no longer have no power with the person that you are, that you have, that you have went back on your word with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You no longer have power over yourself. You also mentioned in that Killer Priest interview that, um, that you learned or just through your studies that you mentioned something called words of power and how they have been lost in time. Like what would you, cons what, like what are words of power and how did they get lost? Well, no, 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 that's not my, uh, when in talking about words of power that are lost to time, um, I was referencing the perspective of Raunefah men. I don't, okay. don't co-sign it, right? Okay, I got you, I got um, you, I got you. Yeah, you know, in, in Medunitaire volume uh, six, mm -hmm. right? Um, Shechem Shechem, right? King of Kings, Raunefah men, who was the leader of the Osiris Society International. He, um, he talks about his reasoning for constructing the system of a Sarasset in the manner in which he did, which it's a syncretic system um, where, you know, he has the Kabbalistic tree of life mm -hmm. right? from the Hebraic tradition and what have you. Um, also using a lot of Western occult, right? Um, he has mantras, which is what he refers, what he, when he says words of power, this is what he means. He's okay. to mantras. He has mantras from the uh, what you call the uh, Vedic system, the Deva Mahavidya, or the ten mother goddesses of wisdom. And from what he saw, he felt like the the ten mother goddesses of wisdom and their mantra fit perfectly with the tree of life, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And with that, he um, he also um, holds the perspective that you know these forces are cognate, so to speak, in that um, it's the same force, just a different culture, right? 
Um, so he uses um, the mantras from the Vedic system. Like for instance, the uh, Osir, to invoke Osir in Osiraset, um, they use the mantra of Terra. Um, to invoke Sukari or Sekar, they use the mantra of Kali, mm-hmm. right? You know, for Tahuti, they use China Masters, man. You know, Sebek, they use uh, Ganesha and, and uh, Saraswati, etc. Mm-hmm. Right? So this type of uh, thing. Um, what I was expressing in, uh, you know, in the Killer Priest, um, you know, show which you know i think kind of went over a little bit uh mm-hmm. for them like they the reason why um in my opinion he you know he said he did this was because the comedic words of power have been lost to time i don't agree right and the reason why i don't agree is i think that somewhat of the uh the orientation um you know, that he was coming from, um, had him looking for something that resembled Mm. the mantras in India, Mm. in Kemet, right? Right. And, um, you know, that's not the, that's not the case, right? So for, you know, the, the Pertim Hiral, the coffin text, the, uh, pyramid text, the actual uh, reliefs on the wall, which you know in the temples depict every single thing that they said mm. and did in every single room. This is all you see in temples, right. the offerings that they made, what they said, what they did, why they did it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Who they were making them to um, is written on the wall like a script, right? You know. You you know they don't want you to mess up, so make sure that you get it right. It's written on the walls, right? And you know, um, it depicts the king. All the release depict the king doing these things. So it's like a follow the leader thing. You're following in the footsteps of the of the king, but um, the initiation is you have. When you say following in the footsteps of the king, would that be? Like uh, some type of initiate or the common man or like like who would yeah. be following in the footsteps of the king? Well, in in this particular context, it would be the initiate, right? Those mm-hmm. that are actually going going under the formal um, training, right? Right. Okay. You know, um, but you have to master the degrees mm-hmm. in the room that you're in mm-hmm. before you can go into the next room. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Right. And you know, that's that's how that's how you progress by mastering those rituals and by abstaining from the taboos. Mm. So when you demonstrate the discipline and you keep your word, right? And right. you master, you show proficiency and you're able to master the rituals, then you're giving more responsibility and you're allowed to go further into the temple, right? right. And all all of the invocations, all of the rituals, all of the things that you recite are in the Medunatar language. They're in the Kemetic language. Mm-hmm. It's not in Hebrew. It's not in, you know, Sanskrit. That's, it's not in, you know? Yeah. That's, that's what I wanted to ask you as well. 
Um, and so for those that don't know, you do uh, read Metal Nectar, right? Yeah. Whenever you learn how to, how to read the script, what did it open up in as far as your understanding of Nile Valley culture compared to whenever you didn't know how to yeah. read Metal Nectar? Yeah, yeah, it's it's big, right? Because um, I come out of Vocera society as well, mm -hmm. right? Right. And um, learning the language is not something that's promoted in there. Um, so so much of it's a closed system. So much of your understanding of what Kimmit is is what's in the Maduna Ter series by mm -hmm. you know Ronald Fahman and the you know the uh, tree of life meditation series and all of these things right so it's dependent on on him and um you know another thing is and this might blow some folk mind you know he's never been to Kemet. oh wow really yeah he's okay. never been right yeah. you know and he has his reasoning for it right it's not a knock but mm -hmm. he's never been mm -hmm. um you know for me I looked at it and I'm like, okay. You know, I applaud what I applaud um, Ron Lefamin for is he's the first that I saw that attempted to reconstruct the system um, in a way that is something that you can actually practice, right? So there is an element there that is, you know, like voodoo. There's an element there that is Ifa uh, or Isese. Like there, there are elements there that he definitely took from those traditions also to reconstruct. But then there's these other non-African elements there, right? That um, I'm like, okay, right? And again, he has his, his reasoning for it. But when you don't, take the time to learn the language mm -hmm. and study the primaries, right? Then you start to want to fill in blanks and gaps mm -hmm. that may not even exist. Wow, right. You see what I'm saying? And right. that's what I discovered. We were filling in gaps that were not gaps at all. Mm. You know what I mean? If can you, you get, want- Can you give me an example? Okay, like, let's just start with, you know, keeping on the, on the level, the words of power, mm -hmm. right? We were talking mm -hmm. about words of power. Um, real simple, like, if you want to call on a force, because that's what it means to invoke, right? To mm -hmm. call, you want to call on Heru. Mm -hmm. You don't call on Heru by using evading mantra you call Heru by his name hmm. and then there are hymns right specific like the hymns have a specific format um you know Heru has like all the forces have uh epithets mm -hmm. which are uh equivalent to what's called oriki in Yoruba uh tradition right which are you know praise names you call on the forces for different different uh purposes right you know, different name for different purpose, different name, different expression, etc. Right. So, you know, if you, you know, you working with Heru, you call Heru, you call Heru 
Kasaka, right? Heru, the bull, son of a bull, right? Heru, Neter, Saneter, Heru, the Neter, son of a Neter, right? Heru, Neb, Shai. Purposes and different, you would, you would, you would have a different mantra or use a different word with power, even for the same Neteru, depending on what the situation is. Yeah, that's the other thing, right? Because each of the, and this is something again that's shared with um with you know Kemet and Western Central Africa is that each of the Netaru have um several roads. Okay, and one road of this Neter might be different from the road over here. Like, for instance, you know, the quickest example that I can give is Hedaru has at least seven major forms and so there's a heteru heteru nep yanut which is a heteru lady of dendera right this is the jovial um associated with beauty and and love and music and uh sexuality and fertility right um joy like you know this is that heteru then there's heteru Nept Hininsu, Hedaru hmm. Lady of Hininsu is a like Sekhmet. She's she's angry, she's violent, she's um right, you know, she's uh you know a force that you don't play with, right? The, the story you, um, I'm not, not the wisdom, I was gonna ask you, would you say that is similar to like, you know, like uh, how in Orthodox Islam they have the 99 uh you know 99 names. Absolutely. Mm. It's, it's the exact same thing, right? Mm. Um, you know, and each name has a purpose and a, a quote unquote power that's associated with it, mm -hmm. right? right? Um, I'm gonna say, you know, uh, linguistically speaking, right? Al Fatiha, mm -hmm. Al Fatiha means the opener, right? right? And linguistically, Fatiha is um, is cognate with Pita. Pita, the Neter Pita. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, his name means to open, like um, to carve or to engrave, right? You know what I mean? It's it's the oh, it's to open, and right. so this it's the exact same word, right? Um, you know, we have to do the linguistic, uh, you know, work to see which one you know is the origin mm -hmm. you know i'm inclined towards the medunatel because it's older of course right. Right? right but um it's the exact same word but right. you see when most people think of the al-fatiha they think of the opening prayer right, right. name of allah the best of the you know what i'm saying you know they think about that opening morning prayer but they don't think about Al-Fatiha as a name of Allah or an aspect or road of Allah. Mm. Mm -hmm. You see? Right. And, and, you know, and we get in the trick bag with that because, you know, you know, Islam and Allah and all those 99 names are not treated like separate gods. Mm -hmm. Right? But when you come over to African traditions, they want to treat. That's, that's true. Very you see true. what I'm saying? That's very you know. true. That's a and that's a great point. I've definitely noticed that when it comes to like how 
you know, even what we learned in school, how they viewed ancient Kemet and um, how some may view, um, you know, uh, Ishe now. Um, and you, you're right. It, it's it, even in um, certain, even in the Christian theology, like, I mean, if Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, like, yeah. but they'll tell you that's one, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's still one God, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? It made no sense. Right. But when it comes to our things, it's like we are like these polytheistic people that, you know, um, have many gods and this and that. And it kind of leads me to my next question. Um, studying Nile Valley civilization and, you know, would you, so would you say their, what they did was more, as far as like their spiritual practices was more of a way of life or a religion? And also, can you explain, because I know there was, they probably, there's different variations from different time periods, um, but like give us an example of some of the things that, um, you know, that were, that were taught spiritually in the Nile Valley, because I think a lot of people have uh, an affinity for ancient Egypt, um, but ancient Egypt is not all of that easy to study. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, you have to dedicate in a lot of cases, uh, you know, years, months, and days to get a, a complete understanding. I, I won't say complete. It's probably never complete, but a, a, <laughs> an understanding of, you know, a lot of the things that they taught and what their culture was like. And for you, who's someone who is, you know, uh, very inclined on this subject, uh, what would you say, again, it, is it more of a way of life or a religion? And what are some of the spiritual practices that they that they practiced in the Nile Valley? Okay, I said this is a good question. Um, let's say, let's say, in to answer the question on whether or not it was a, a way of life or religion, right? It's, mm -hmm. You know, I say it's both, mm -hmm. right? The term for for ritual is iriaket, right? Mm -hmm. Or more, more, um, more, you know, formally iriaket raneb, right? The things that are done every day, or the things that you do every day, mm -hmm. right? Iriaket, the things that are done, the things that you do, right? This is what you do, right? Um, so in that way, you can say it's the way of life because a lot of it is is not something that's um that is relegated to formal temple uh, service or whatever the case may be. It's, it's culture, right? right like, right. like it's like so much of the spiritual, well, the spiritual tradition, not even so much, the spiritual mm -hmm. tradition is synonymous to the culture of the people. You know what's right? interesting so about that? I want, you to, I want you to finish your thought, but I, I just want to, for those that are watching, it's kind of similar. It just reminds me and, you probably and you had that experience in college where also where you know when it comes to like what the five percent teaching will tell you you got to walk and talk with us to understand the culture like you can't it's yeah. not anything that you can you know what i mean see from afar yeah. and 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 understand like that and and it sounds to me that like they were saying the same thing like what they were doing what the the, the culture had to be practiced in order to yeah. be understood 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's literally it's literally so much of their normal, natural way of mm-hmm. life, how they interact with their natural environment. Um, you know, the relationship that they have uh to the river. Mm. Right. Um yeah, speak is- on that, speak on that some. That's powerful, man, because you know, just like uh the Nile River, like what did what did what was their relationship like with the with the river and what did it mean to them? There's so many stories oh. and mythos and things that probably literally happened, like so much is connected to this, to this river, you know, and it meant so much to, it means to the people now, but especially yeah. uh, back then, you know what I mean? Uh, if you can just get into some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, um, the Hopi, right. The, uh, the Nile was considered a deity, mm. right. You know, know that. and, and that's, um, you know, it's like, um, you know, African tradition, right? You know, trees are associated with deities. Rivers mm-hmm. are associated with deities. Like Oshun is associated with the river. With the rivers, right? right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yemoja associated with the sea, right? Mm-hmm. Ogokun with the deep sea, right? And or the ocean, right? This is um, you know, this is so much a part of um you know, our understanding of uh, the oneness of nature and, and the divinity of nature and seeing ourselves as a part of this grand system, this uh, interdependent and interconnected system that is nature and life itself, right? right. Um, and, you know, the river, right, the Nile River, right, um, on one hand, it's associated with a deity called Hopi, but then mm-hmm. on the, the other hand, it's also associated. Um, it's considered like a physical, earthly um, representation of the river Noon, like the the uh, the the primordial the source. Water, right? Yes, the primordial waters, right? Mm-hmm. The source, and. Um, Everything comes out of noon. Ra rises from noon, and then you know that light goes through its transformations and evolutions that ultimately become what we know as reality, right? Um, you know, it all has its origins in those primordial waters. So for the people, you know, the 42 states or sepaut, right? The 42 states is 42 because from their perspective, just like most um, um, traditions hold their, they, their creation account doesn't take place anywhere outside of where they're from, right, right or where right. they're at. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, from their perspective, the 42 states was the ordered universe. It's 42 in association with Maat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and Anything outside of that, you're entering into isfets. You're entering into disorder. So um, this, everything physically comes out of and is sustained by the river now, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, even even the, uh, the actual temples, um, where they're located, represents the place where Ra as whatever force the temple or whichever force the temple is dedicated to, where he rose from noon mm-hmm. as that force in mm-hmm. that spot, right? Mm-hmm. 
but it's um it's it's connected to the river. So even today, um the Nubian people, right, in in Aswan, right, they still have that relationship to the river and they refer wow. to the Nedaru as the river people. Wow. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And <laughs> different river people live at different spots along the along the water. Wow. That's very that's very deep. And it it brings up something that I wanted to ask you as well. You know, we build me and you, we you know, we build offline. Um and as you know, online, uh there uh <laughs> there's debates that pop up and they become the hot topic, you know, for, for a moment. Um, the ethnicity of who ancient, of ancient Egypt um, has started to, you know, come into question with some. And they obviously can't deny the Africanness of ancient Egypt. Um, but they will deny that any of them were black people. And I know you've seen it because I've seen it. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, what are your thoughts on that as somebody who has been to Egypt? And I want to say, didn't you, uh, in the Killer Priest interview, didn't you say that some, uh, you actually seen black people, black Egyptians in Egypt? towards the south uh who are still there correct yo i mean i'm gonna tell you something right mm -hmm. before the first time i went i i was of the perspective that i was kemet i'm going to see the remnants of kemet but i am visiting the arab republic of egypt mm -hmm. right that's the perspective i held before i went there and i did not expect <laughs> to find africans there Wow, right. You know what I mean? Right. So once I got there, you know, there was an African here and there in Cairo, right? But yo, you know, you can still see some <laughs> some of the motherfolk, right? Right, right, right. You know, um, but once I got to Luxor, mm. man, not only did the vibe change, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Cairo was like New York, a lot of hustle and bustle, and yeah. you know, the disposition of the people a little more aggressive, and you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um man, once once I got to Luxor, <laughs> everything was green. That was the number one mm -hmm. thing that I noticed. Yeah. Um no traffic, everything was slow, everything was chill, everybody wow. was smiling, right. and the people, right? You can tell, okay, these are Africans. They, you know, now they kind of look like Obama a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, you know, <laughs> oh, you know what I'm saying? Look like you, right? You know what I'm saying? But you know, they you could tell they us. You yeah. can tell they're rusts, right? Yeah. Um, but yo, you know, we got on the cruise mm. and from Lux, we took the cruise from Luxor to Aswan. And the further south we went, with every stop, mm -hmm. the darker the people got. Wow! In Edfu, when right. I when I stopped in Edfu, 
not not only the people, but the vibe. Yo, I felt like I was in New Orleans. Right. It was it was the right mix <laughs> right, of right. good time and party and ready for the ready for some more. Right. Right? <laughs> it's the right blend. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like very, very, very African, man. Matter mm. of fact, you know, the elders, the OGs was out there playing dominoes and smoking. Wow. They right. were smoking oh. and playing dominoes. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Um, but when I got to Aswan, mm-hmm. man, mm-hmm. that's when, like, my my grandmother, you know, was a dark skinned woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and her people before, uh, you know, coming over to Mississippi, right? Mm-hmm. They were in South Carolina, so they got yeah. a lot of that Geechee, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. you, know, you know what I'm saying, and. You know, certain words that I would hear growing up when she's telling ghost stories, she's using the word hates in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, and that's 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 you know what she, you know, so she she's like that side of the family, my uncles and what you know, they're you know, a lot of that, like, okay, these people they still kind of for the lack of a better word, pure. It ain't ain't no too much mixing, quote unquote, going on, right? Mm-hmm. Pure ain't the right word, but you you understand what I'm trying to say. You you know yeah. they they they're uh you know there's no outside influence there. Um, Aswan, it's like that, right? You know, uh-huh. like Aswan, you might as well be in the Sudan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In Aswan, you might as well be in the Sudan. Mm. Like that's how that's how African the people are. And yo, like um everything, like even the diet, like for instance, you know, I hear people talk about uh the ethnicity of of you know the comedic people, you know, um there are things that we have in our diet here mm-hmm. in the diaspora that we carry over from West and Central Africa that has its origins in the Nile Valley. Right. Okra mm. is the main example. Wow. Water. Has it, so okra has its origins in the Nile Valley? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this is research. This is researchable, right? Yeah. You know what I mean, how did we get it, right? Now, of course, you know you got to do the knowledge on the timeline and whatnot. Yeah, but for, for sure. some reason, we we have this in our mind that Africans don't move. It's like you know they act like we stay in one place, man. Yeah, and, yeah. and we and we've done that since the beginning of Homo sapiens sapiens, and that's crazy. That's crazy to me. Makes no sense, right? And, right? and, you know, they try to use what I was going to say when I went to Aswan, before I go on that point. Yeah. Right? When I went to Aswan, we ate lunch. We stayed in the Nubian guest house, right? And there's a family that runs the guest house. They were, you know, you know taking care of us. And, um, man, the sister brought us lunch, which was roasted or sauteed okra, <laughs> tomatoes, and rice. Wow. 
Wow, I bet you it's fire too. <laughs> yo, yo, fire, right? All <laughs> right. Yo, yo, this is something we eat in New Orleans. Right, right. right. All the time. We might right. throw some shrimp in there. Right. Right. But it's right. something we eat all the time. So I'm like, man, somebody, somebody lying, right? right. <laughs> somebody lying. Right. But um, yo, like when you know my work. I call it the, you know, it's like an extension of uh, Second to Diop's work, you know, the mm-hmm. cultural unity of Black Africa. I call it the continuity and kinship of African people, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I like to follow the thread. And, you know, the thing that gets me the most is people are ignoring what our people in Western Central Africa and Southern Africa say concerning themselves and where they came from. We do that a lot. Well, I mean, not us personally, me and you, but yeah. within our community, that happens a lot. We are quick to disregard what oral tradition they say their origin is or their oral tradition. Yeah. Uh, because we don't see enough physical evidence for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's the number one mistake. Like, where did they say they came from, right? That's number one. Okay, so they can say that, right? But then, did you do the cross-cultural comparison and analysis? Right. Right? You know, if you did, then you would see the commonalities, you know what I mean, in the, in the culture, mm-hmm. right? So, and it's going to tie back into one of the uh, earlier questions you asked about the, the spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but before we deal with that, yo, the, they want to talk about DNA. What DNA, ancient DNA, have they actually analyzed? Right. Most people looking at this, these 90 mummies, right, that they found up north of Cairo that date back to past the Ptolemaic period, right? Like Greco-Roman era, era, right? Right. And even in the article itself, it tells you that out of the 90, they were only able to analyze three. Mm. Right? Mm. And and this is saying, they're saying that these three mummies that they found from this late period in an area that was constantly getting overrun, Mm. right? Had ties to Europe. You know what that's like? That's like 2,000 years from now, them going back and looking at New York City and seeing 100 <laughs> people there doing the, doing the DNA, and let's say, let's like a, a, in a Jewish neighborhood and like, you know how they have some, like some of those Jewish neighborhoods in New York. Yeah. Get the DNA from a Jewish neighborhood and say, this is what the population of New York City looked like. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It makes no sense at all, you know? Um, and then when they do analyze ancient DNA, like Ramesu the third, right? Like Yuya and Thuya and you know what I'm saying? Like they find, oh, E1B1A, oh, right? <laughs> like, oh, you know what I mean? Like this is um, you know, that they share uh you know, DNA affinity with Bantu in 
East Africa and Southern Africa, right? Right. What you know what I mean? Why why is the average height of the ancient Kemetic people five five for men? Hmm. Right? You know what I mean? Like, like this is you know, this is something that again, when people are trying to use these studies to refute our elders, they do so, and you could tell that it's really the coon in them. Yeah. Right. Just to kind of be frank, it's the it's the ruckus in them, you know, because, you know, they're not even really reading to understand the so-called evidence that they're using, which they're reading, is evidence against them. They're reading to debunk. Exactly. So, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, even in the same article, the people said that if they went further back in time or if they were to examine mummies further south, they will find a more Nubian affinity. Mm. In the same article. Right. Nature, right. the article from Nature Magazine that they like to, like to constantly quote. Like, so, you know, the issue is, you know, these, these charlatans uh, like to appeal to affinity they, they they are they are using the emotions of the people that are mad at the so-called hotels yeah yeah right yeah. you know and and you know neither are are they going to do the knowledge or you know and the people that you know listen to them nobody's going to do the knowledge it's just it's just a rah-rah session right right but um yo like we look at you know for instance, the uh, Ghana Empire, mm -hmm. Wagudu, right, mm -hmm. right. Um, when you get into them stories, right, the Soninke, right, like, where did they say they came from? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, like they say they came from Kimin, and then sometimes they get specific and say they came from Aswan. Wow. Right, like. This is, you know, you, when you talk to the keepers of the tradition, like, yo, you do your DNA, like, like I got Bamalinke, uh, you know, ancestors. Mm -hmm. The Bamalinke and Takar people in Cameroon say they came from the Nile Valley, and they got dates. Right, right. They got dates for when they, you know, this is, this is, um... Again, we have to not only, um, you know, consider what the people say of themselves, but we also have to compare the cultures and we have to, you know, we have to, uh, you, you know, we have to also, you know, look at the languages mm -hmm. and look at the traditions and, um, you know, do a comparison of, of all of these things to see if what they say has some merit. Yeah. And I also think we have to stop. We have to we have to begin to take the mythology of different cultures more serious because there's going to always still be truth in it. Yeah. Now, we know the part that might be, you know, uh, straight up myth because yeah. it's trying to convey a message. Yeah. But if they 
a lot of in a lot of cases i won't say it all obviously but if they say that they their their people came from somewhere then you have to take into consideration that this may have been even an oral tradition back then because like how you mentioned the ancient empire of ghana like that was still a long time from Kemet's yeah. day, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you have, and and so that would have been an old ancient tradition, old ancient, uh, old oral tradition for them, you yeah. know. And um, I think a lot of in a lot of cases, we overlook, you know, the certain mythologies of the people, um, just be simply because it's myth, not understanding that a lot of times myth has been used to convey a certain truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. And oftentimes the the cosmology and the uh the origin mythos also speaks a lot to um the uh ethnogenesis yeah. of the people in this, you know, in this current location. And it, it speaks to um, for instance, you know, people are not a monolith, meaning right. like, you know, it's not necessarily a a singular origin point, right? They move and they mix, right? Right. Some lines come from here, some lines come from there, right? right. And 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 it's it's brought together. Gumbo is made, right? And yeah. and and we get that as the ethnogenesis of of the people. And you know, this is um something that you know, even like in you know with the Yoruba, like you hear all kinds of origin stories. Some saying they came from uh, Kemet. Some say they came from the Sudan. Some say they came from uh, Mecca, right? Right. Some say they came from Israel, right? You get all kinds of, you know, they all kind of shooting in the same direction. direction. Right. Right. <laughs> but like, as you said, there's not one central point where um, migration and miscegenation could have happened. So it yeah. all could be some truth. It all could have some truth to it. You know what I mean? And, and you know, people that were there, like they say, okay, these people that came from wherever over here, you know, you know, came into Nigeria, into Yoruba land and, and, you know, encountered, um, you know, the Igbo mm -hmm. people and mixed with them. Right? right. So, you know, this is this is uh, you're talking about an ethnogenesis. But look at it. Look at this. You have these migration stories, mm -hmm. you know, or do the wise say to come from, you know, from, you know, from the uh, east. Right. But then. You have, uh, um, you know, what you call the cosmology or the creation account in the Yoruba culture creation takes place in Ile Ife. Mm. You see? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a, you know, is it wrong to say that the Yoruba people were created in Ile Ife? Not at all if that's where the ethnogenesis took place. Right. You see <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. If that's where the ethnogenesis took place. I think, we, right? I think a lot of people are so conditioned to look at things through an Abrahamic religion that they see the beginning point starting with one person. You know what I'm yeah. saying? like an yeah. Adam and Eve type of thing instead of being able to see, like, if that's their origin, that could be their origin, right? Yeah. Somebody else's origin is somewhere else. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah continuing. 
I mean, he, he, even Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Cain kills Abel, he goes off and he marries a woman from the land of Nod. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe some of them people informed that ethnogenesis that took place in the garden. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you never, you never know who you're dealing with mm -hmm. cosmology, right? But right. like you say, it shouldn't be written off. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's, there's politics in there. There's, uh, you know, there's, uh, so, you know, like, uh, what you call, uh, some, uh, social anthropology, right? That, that we can get from there in, in, you know, uh, understanding what was going on a lot, especially, um, in terms of, let's say for Kemet, you know, you have these traditions of Osir and Oset establishing the nation, but they came from, from, uh, Nubia. Right. Right. Now, and, I, now and, I've seen people contend that though, like what, um, how do we know that they came from Nubia? If you don't mind just sharing with the people. Well, they're, you know, they're, um, you know, you know, I'm not saying that they physically exist. Yeah, right? no, no, I know. I'm, I mean, oh, yeah. we're just being Cosi you know, cosmologically speaking. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of you course. Know, yeah, the tradition. I know we got it. I know we got it just for those who might not. But yeah, yeah. got to say it, right? Got to <laughs> say it. Because you have people, I'm not going to call no names, but they I know who, do I know who try you're to talking say about. He that says that the rule. Yeah, right. And that's not what we're getting at. Like, not to say that the forces that they represent aren't real. They right. definitely are. Right. But you know these these traditions of stories, right? But yo, there there's actual primaries where um, Oser is called Pa Akash, mm. Oser the Kushite. Wow! Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. There's there's you know texts that say you know I am Oset the Niterit Nahisiet, right? Mm. I am Oset. Mm the Neteret Nubian woman, mm. right? These, like, these are in actual papyri, right? Mm -hmm. Heru is, you know, a, also, you know, a, um, you know, a uh, Sudanese deity. Um, Amun is a Sudanese. Matter of fact, the, um, the veneration of Amun, Oser, Oset, and Heru continued in the Sudan up into like maybe like 600 700 ace wow right even wow. even in the christian in the christian era of uh of nubia right mm -hmm. you still see amun or amin in the names of the kings and the queens wow right right you know what i mean and and the realm and the sun in the iconography of the crowns mm. Right? Yes. Up into eight, you know, up into six and seven hundred ACE. Right. right. So, you know, like, and we're talking to Sudan. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's important that uh we, you know, like a lot of folk that talk about Kemet don't do like a you know a a uh, a thorough um uh, excursion and exploration through the primary literature yeah um you, you know that's something you know um that i definitely want to encourage along with the learning of the language but you know the biggest tell okay 
and I'm there's a, there's a couple of things, right? Mm-hmm. First things first. Um, the majority of the people, regular people in Kemet in ancient times, venerated their ancestors. That was their primary spiritual practice. Wow, ancestors veneration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was their that was their primary practice. Mm-hmm. If you're in the temple. You deal. You might be dealing with the netaru. If you're, if you're, um, you know, if you are a regular, you know, normal person, and you need some specialized work done, you might go to a priest to get that work done for that particular entail because that's what they specialized in. But right. your sole responsibility was to your ancestors. Mm. You see what you, I'm saying? You know, I I want to ask you a question, um, and before we, you know, because that's a deep, that's a deep thought. And before we lose that, I, I wanted to ask you because your last uh, build, it, it kind of made me think. Whenever I was younger, right, um, I went to, I was going to a, it was like a, a summer, a summer program that was like only like a couple, couple weeks, right? But it was, uh, you know, we had did stuff like, you know, they would teach us Swahili words and, and you know, just. Um, different things pertaining to uh black culture now i remember they had a brother come and he was showing a slideshow and i was young i was very young but for some reason there's certain things in your life that always stand out and now that i'm older i feel like that might have been one of the things that set me on my uh path of you know self-discovery but I, i remember this slideshow that he showed and it was a college textbook and the name of the college textbook was Egypt and Africa and he was like you see they are separating Egypt from Africa as if it's its own thing without any influence right and so now fast forward to you know we're living in a time where there's more um like uh, there's more anthropology work, archaeology studies, um, you know, genetic studies. Um, do you think though, and, you know, we're we're not too far removed, but we are removed from the era of Sheikh and the Jop whenever you know he had the UNESCO conference and all of that. And so, but in 2022, do you think that European archaeologists who study ancient Egypt are coming from that same European bias that would, um, that in the past would make Egypt seem to be as a come out of nowhere with no influence from sub-Saharan Africa. Mm. Yo, that's a, uh, that's a good question. And I'm going to say that the scales are kind of tipping in the opposite direction in mm. the sense that you have more and more uh, very progressive uh, scholars, even of mm. the European uh, schools, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly, I'm speaking of the European schools. You got uh, folk that are considered heavy hitters, right? Okay. That are... Um, you know, whether they're dealing with, you know, traditional, uh, what you call formal Egyptology or coming at it from a linguistic, uh, you know, standpoint, 
they're looking more and more to an African origin and, you know, exploring the, uh, you know, the uh, influence, right? How Sub-Saharan Africa, right, um, informed, right? And, you know, served as a fountain, so to speak, for mm-hmm. uh, the peopling of the Nile Valley, you right. know? Um, yeah, you got a lot of scholarship. So I can't, you know, you know, I can't, um, you know, uh, say that I haven't seen improvement. I definitely have seen great improvement right. in terms of, um, you know, more uh, academic integrity. Because because mm. guess what? It's not new. Yes. But back in 1800-something <laughs> said that these people were Africans and they came out of sub-Saharan Africa. And if you really want to understand their language, you got to deal with sub-Saharan Africa. You know, Budge in Osiris in Egyptian Resurrection Volume 1 and 2 is doing the, the cross-cultural comparison between the uh, comedic system and, uh, you know, the Akan system, mm. you know? Wow. Okay. You know, he's 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 comparing the Ka and Kemet to the Accra in in the Akan system. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You know, and you know, so they wrote him off, kind of like the same way they wrote off Herodotus right. for saying what he said about Kemet. You know what I mean? Um, you know, you know, Budge Budge said that yeah, there's some you know, loan words or affinity with so-called Semitic languages, right? right. You know, with Hebrew and Arabic mm-hmm. and what have you mm-hmm. in Medunatab, but the majority of the vocabulary of Medunatab is, is quintessentially African. This is what he said. Like, like you don't have Khufu in, <laughs> in Semitic languages, right? Right, you know right. what I'm saying? You you know right. you know like you know what I'm saying? He's like he said this is some Sudanese. Shit. You, right. know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so yo, this is not is not uh new, right? It's it's mm-hmm. just um I think you have a little bit more academic integrity and people are becoming a little bit more progressive, um, you know, in terms of the study and 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 going past the the cultural biases and the gatekeepers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, I got to say it's, it's, it's definitely improving. It's definitely improving. Indeed, indeed. Great answer. Um, you know, as with you make music, I have, I'm a bit of, you know, big, huge music fan of a lot of different genres. In ancient Egypt, was there, did they have like music and, and things like with, you know, or, or play instruments or like do they have was yeah, was music a part of their culture yo these are africans yo like how you say as a matter of fact um music was actually a part of the formal um training of the of the you know the priesthood right mm-hmm. um you know you everything in african traditions you know uh is uh, musical, right? The the drums of uh, you know the drumming and the 
you know, use of certain rhythms to uh, induce altered states of consciousness that, mm. that uh, you know, cause or elicit uh, ritual possession. Today in West Africa and in yeah. some places, the Southern Black Church, but. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. You know, um, this is something, this is something, like, as a matter of fact, right? And the Akan people, they're, they're notorious for this. In the, the Yoruba, you see it um, where each one of the uh, Orisha have their own dance. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Each one of the Abosom have their own dance. And, um, you know, you can actually do the dance to bring them down. Mm. Right? There's a text in Kemet where... Um, Man, I'm trying to remember which Nisu it was, but I want to say it was his vizier, his fati, um, went into sub-Saharan Africa and brought back a um, a dwarf, a, a pygmy, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some folks say twa. We don't know if they were the twa or not, right? But he went and brought forward what's translated in the language as dwarf. Mm -hmm. uh, he brought back from Sub-Saharan Africa a dwarf to the Nisu mm. so that the dwarf could teach the Nisu and the court the dances of the mm -hmm. Neturu. Wow. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> they brought... Now, now, how is this, right? You have a primary text that speaks about a comedic person going into Sub-Saharan Africa, bringing back Right, what they consider to be a dwarf to instruct the people of Kemet in how to perform the dances of the gods. Wow, 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 that's that insinuates a lot, too. It does, it does, because what I find in, in my studies of Kemet and Western Central Africa is that you know, there's a you know, like let's say the Netaru system. Right, specifically the the Pesedu Netaru or the Nine Netaru, right, um, is very very damn near identical to the Orisha. Mm, right. Right. Damn near identical to the uh, uh you know to the Abosom, right, to the Nomo, except right, um, the drumming and the rhythm and the dance, right, is something that you have in Western Central Africa. Um, that was in Kemet definitely, but if you want to see the remnants of it, you have to look at the czar tradition mm. in Kemet and in the Sudan, right? Right. You look at the czar, and that's where you see the specific rhythms. And yo, is we do it the exact same way? Like even when they're trying to bring uh, uh the ritual to a climax, how they increase the velocity mm -hmm. of the rhythm, and you know, what I'm saying right. start having like an offbeat. You know what I'm saying? And yo, it's like um it's the exact same thing. Mm. But you know, I think that was where a marriage took place, and that text speaks to it, where you know, there are things that each culture right kind of informed one another with. Yeah, you know, right. Um, that's that's just a theory that 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 I have. That um, just in studying these traditions, you know, I think I think that we can kind of see, you know, that marriage take place even in ancient times. It's, it's spoken to, mm -hmm. but um, I want to I want to say this. Beyond 
ancestral veneration. And, you know, you know, um, I got to credit the brother, um, uh, Netchaneb, mm -hmm. right. For, um, sharing this with me. Right. So, you know, he's, he's also, you know, he did his DNA and, you know, found these, you know, Bamalike as well. Right. Yeah. Um, he, he, uh, you know, the Bamalinke, the Takar, the Fang, um, these groups in Cameroon, they all say they came from Kemet, but, you know, they have a practice of keeping their um, ancestor's skull, yeah. like, in the, in the chest. And that becomes, like, the, uh, the focal point of their veneration and, and also divination system. Mm -hmm. um, Is that related to Palo at all? Well, you know, I would say... In you know, from what I understand about Paolo, mm -hmm. um, Paolo doesn't necessarily involve um, your ancestors per se, mm, okay. but it does involve the deceased. And key, you know, they do so practices where they keep the you know certain parts, bones, skulls, and whatnot yeah. in you know in a pot. You know, and you know they do certain things for it, and it's a uh, there's a relationship that's established there, right? Right. Between them and it, but it's not necessarily their blood relatives. Right. right? I got you. In With, this case, it's blood relatives. Yeah, these are like your your blood your blood ancestors. Um, you know, they said when they left from the Nile Valley, they couldn't carry, right? They didn't have time. Like war, you know, war, you know, broke out. It was they were running from Islam, mm. so um, they couldn't carry their bodies the ancestors bodies so they took the skulls right ah, mm -hmm. that's the that's what they say mm -hmm. but yo the brothers showed me a um a term in medunita that means a box or chest in which a skull mm. is kept wow <laughs> okay right mm -hmm. and Yo, I mean, I'm like, man, you know, but yeah, I wanted to share that real quick and, and shout the brother out for, you know, for sharing yeah, that with you. But um, this is what I want to give. This is what I want to give here, right? Um, there's a deity that we find first in the Nile Valley. Then we find him in West Africa. And he's also made his way over into the diaspora. Who is that? Same force by the same name, same function. Oh, wow. That's right. So this force is in Kemet, is Shu. Mm. Or Shu. That's how most scholars, uh, they just say Shu because, mm. you know, you know, they don't know what was on the, you know, they didn't write vowels right? right so a lot of these words had vowels in front of the consonant in between the consonant at the end you know of the word etc so on so shu was more than likely pronounced as shu mm. but shoe. let's examine shu <laughs> i got right, right. shu <laughs> um was the firstborn son of ra mm -hmm. and he is the one who opens the sky. He opens the heavens. He's, he's the force that separates Newt and Geb 
to bring and establish order in the chaos. Mm, okay. He opens the heaven. And along with his, uh, his sister, Tufnut, he's um, the Akeru, right? They are the Akeru, which are the twin lions of the horizon. The horizon represents the doorway between the realms, so to speak, mm -hmm. where events emerge and pass mm -hmm. from the scene. Um, so he's the opener, and he's he's also the guardian of the realms, right. of the door, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Ishu, and this is something, folk, you know, unless you really get into it, in in Anu or in Yunu, where uh, the um, cosmology pertaining to Shu and Ra is from, right? Mm -hmm. um, Anpu and Shu are identified with one another. Mm. And Anpu is also identified with Wapuwat, meaning opener of the way. Mm. Shu is also called Wapiti in Ra. Wapiti in Ra means the messenger of Ra. Mm. In the same way that Ishu in Yoruba land mm -hmm. is the messenger of Ogodumare. Right. Ishu is the opener of the way in Yoruba and in Voodoo. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You see? Now, most people in Voodoo, they deal with, you know, they, they might know Eshu by the name Elegba. Yeah. Or Elegba, which comes from Elegbara, mm -hmm. right? Which is which is actually Al Akbar. Wow. Yeah. Right, that's an epithet. That's one of his, his praise names, but it's taken from Al Akbar. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna have to do the knowledge. I never like how did that have how did that come about? Well, you know, there's a lot of um, you know, uh Islamic influence in in the Yoruba culture, mm -hmm. right? Even um the greeting Alafia, Alafia yeah. is from the Arabic. That's not it's not you know Europe in, in origin, right? Um, you know, they have um, you know, we could say maybe there's some merit about where they say they came from. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um you would know, that they, would that also mean too that in certain cases Islam wasn't <laughs> embraced by certain West African nations strictly by force. As the term, as 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 um, you know, some like to teach, where it was all enslavement and all by force and under the sword. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't that way. Um, you know, like all the way across the board. As as a matter of fact, some of um, you know, some of these uh encounters with islam in west africa come from other africans that practice um a syncretic form of islam mm. that we might identify today as like sufism or something yeah. like that right mm -hmm. um but you know what african sufism actually is 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 like the um it's the syncretic form it's the fusion of their indigenous traditions with um with Islam, yeah. right? That's, that's, so, that's, 
You know what I mean? Like now, whether or not their their um, you know encounter with the Arab or that initial encounter yeah. might have happened in a particular way, but you know, as far as like how they got it from other Africans, well, right? You know, I don't think it was necessarily. Yeah, no, you're right because you know, it's written. I have, I have a couple of joints. I gotta find them, but where the Arab accounts in medieval medieval times, they would look at some of uh the west african brothers and be like man he's not a real muslim due to the right. fact you wouldn't they, they incorporated islam within their own traditional traditions like they didn't leave them alone like they yeah. didn't they didn't get rid of them the same way you know you could say uh with rome and christianity like they didn't they didn't right. totally leave their thing behind to adopt something new and right. but um you know I did want to ask you this, because um, I, I saw, and I, I won't, you know, it's not this, it ain't about any type of drama and nothing, but I saw, is more obviously for the understanding is why I'm asking, um, where a brother who, you know, the, one of the brothers who says that, you know, uh, Egypt has, like, we have no relationship or connection with ancient Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um they stated that there's no way that one can practice Nile Valley culture here. What would okay. you say? So, that? I mean, that's it's Nile Valley culture, right? Outside of dealing with that particular, you know, ecology, right? Mm-hmm. Is classical African spiritual culture and practices right so when you talk about the cultural unity of black africa there you know there are cultural universals and particulars there are particulars right both are equally important but you know from my studies right they are definitely more cultural universals mm-hmm. right Right. Then there are uh, great particulars that that become uh, irreconcilable differences. Yeah, right? like, and for those who who are you know will be watching, like some of these some of these concepts are universal. Where they you'll not only just find in Kemet, you may find in West Africa, you may find Southern Africa, you may find in the diaspora. Is what you're saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the essence of Nile Valley culture, you know, once you get outside of uh, agriculture, mm-hmm. which is which is the essence of Western Central African culture, right? right? Um, and ancestral veneration is an extension of the agriculture role, culture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um you know, you eat something and then you take that seed and you plant that seed and then that something returns. Right. There's a connection between the ancestors, right, and them being interred into the earth, right, and, and how the fruit returns from the womb. And right. this is why in every African culture, right, the, the quote-unquote penalty or consequence of ancestral neglect is infertility. Mm. You see? Like, you know, people, you know what I mean? Like, we got to get into it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, ancestral veneration is the foundation 
after agriculture, of Nile Valley culture, right? The, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, the people and how they interacted with and revered their environment and they took, you know, they, they took care of uh, the natural environment and forces so that this um, source of their sustenance, right, could, could continue, right? This is this is what the essence of it is about. We can get in particular. It's like so, so yo, there, was, there was a so there was a also a spiritual aspect to agriculture as well. Absolutely. Besides just the actual at the farming. Yo, Osir is not only the considered the ancestors, right? He's a gungun, right? Osir Kinti Amintiu, the first of the Westerners. He's considered the first ancestor, and every ancestor, uh, every person that transitions is seeking to become an Osir, mm. right? Mm. When you look at the, the weighing of the heart, this person is seeking to gain access into the shrine of Osir mm. to become. When you read the text, it says once he gets in there, he embraces Osir, and then he puts on the clothes, the garbs. Is he this becomes, text the coffin text? It's in the uh, coffin text and in the Pertamir Ra, right? So Pertamir Ra, right? Um, the Osir Ani, the Osir Nefsini, right? The Osir Nefertari, right? Like they're referred to as the Osir because as an elevated or deified ancestor, they are, you know, identified with Osir. Mm. You know, so collectively like the ancestral shrine in in um ancient kemet is an osarian shrine that's mm. that's the so osar as a osar right osar kintimenti as a single is the um collective ancestors as a single deity right personified right. as a single deity right but osar is also the detail of husbandry Mm. You know what I'm saying? He's the he's in the tear of grain. Mm. You see? So he's the ancestors, and then he's in his tail of farming. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? And right. you know, this is this is why the tradition is he he taught the people how to farm the land, how to you know irrigate and, and you know perform agriculture in the land. Mm. He and all that. That's the that's the story. So, like, you know, um, wow. So, so the story is that Asar taught the and his wife, I said, mm -hmm. taught the people how to agriculture and farm in yeah. the land what would be now known as Egypt. So that's the yeah. story. That's the story. Mm -hmm. That's the story, right? You know, um, and the people were happy with them and decided that they would be their leaders. Wow, that's the story, right? Um, but you know, it's 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 coming out of when you look at the Sudan, right? Mm -hmm. Where we find Nile Valley or Pharaonic culture first. Like, you know, in um in uh what's called the coastal burial uh ground, right? Cemetery L, there are 12 kings. Mm. It's either 12 kings going back 10 generations or 10 kings going back 12 generations right mm -hmm. but these kings are already 
identify with Heru. Wow. And then you find what they call the uh, formative development of what will become the Medunate language already in play. Wow. Right? Right. And you know, this is this is just a few miles north of uh, Abu Simbel, which is the southern extreme border of Kemet, right? But this is predating a formal Kemet, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Where these kings are already identified with Heru. And right. this is this this is older than the burial ground. In uh, in Abbey Dose, which is considered the oldest in Kemet proper, right? Right. Now, well, that kind of leads what I want to ask you is, you know, like I've seen, I've read certain things where you know some archaeologists talk about, uh, you know, possible water erosion on the pyramids that could possibly date it back uh, a lot older than what they say. Do you think? Um, that ancient Kemet is a lot older than what um, modern archaeologists are saying at the moment. I think that um, I think that the culture itself, mm-hmm. right, is an extension of a culture, mm-hmm. and you know is the uh, result of um, certain political figures. Right, coming from you know this area here into another area, and then doing the Shaka Zulu thing and uniting yeah. the clans right. and, and the yeah. you know and the you know the quote unquote tribes as he encountered them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you know we, what we what we see with Kemet is the uh, you know coming out of. Uh, a shepherd uh, or cattle-based society and culture in the Sudan entering into a more agricultural uh, culture, based culture, right? That's what you that's what you what you get with with that, right? But um I think that I think that you know really when they built the dam, right? Because what I mentioned with Kustu, the Kustu burial ground, this is a lot coming out of the research of the uh, University of Chicago or UNO Institute, um, the work that they were doing in the 60s, mm-hmm. right? In that area before they built the dam and flooded the area. Right. Right? They say, you know, and the, the scholar, his name is Bruce Williams, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he said that what they saw in that area would have changed the face of quote-unquote Egyptology we we'd be talking about right pseudonology right right Right? we you know what I mean because it it was pretty much indicating that the culture the practice the religion the language all of these things were already in play in the Sudan Mm -hmm. before it ever, you know, really emerged and was became organized in mm-hmm. Kemet proper. Right, right, right. So to answer your question, I think that really, you know, if we want to put it into like the context of a timeline, what's considered pre-dynastic Kemet could 
to a certain extent be uh considered an intermediate period yeah where right. the kingdom was disunited right right and then they waited for another unification and then you have another di- a new dynasty right mm. you know that's something um we could look at but the only thing with this is the king's list um especially in abydos right and in Abdul, the Temple of Seti the First, the King's List starts with Minas, with Narmer. Wow, you know that's the thing. Why do so? Is Narmer is the one that is giving credit of unifying the kingdoms, correct? Yeah. But there had to be kingdoms already there to be unified. Yeah, there was Scorpion, you know, a Zerk, right? You had mm-hmm. uh, Aha, and you know, you had. Um, other kings and you know uh tribal chiefs and whatnot but normal is the one that's credited for unifying them all and you know founding uh the united states of kemet so right <laughs> right 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 that's a that's a dope way to look at it yeah um, man there's so much more i want to build with you um about and uh man i appreciate you for coming on the show i definitely want to have you back and continue to build man uh it was it was dope you dropped teller jewels man and i thank you for coming through the show brother hey i appreciate the uh the invitation man you know i had i had a ball right i I did too fam we gotta do it again man (laughs) yes sir and uh and uh stay up man we'll build offline but i appreciate you man um um you know, I gotta go back and watch it myself and, and take notes, man. It was it was pretty heavy, man. And and uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that people are gonna have more questions to ask and and then we'll run a part two. Do I tell? Yes, sir. All right, look forward to it, brother. All right, man. You have a good one, G. You too. Peace. Peace.